Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, brought to you by The Athletic, our weekly Newcastle United podcast. This week we have a heck of a lot to cover. George Colkin joins me, Chris Woff here at a hotel in Liverpool, post Newcastle United against Everton at Goodison Park. The game finished 2-2. Somehow the game went into injury time with Newcastle United 2-0 down, having been thoroughly awful. But somehow they left Goodison Park with a point. Florian Lejeune scored twice, never scored for Newcastle United before, has been through an injury hell over the, the last couple of years and really struggled over Christmas when he played four games in a few days, but came off the bench to score twice, including the first one, a dramatic overhead kick. George, you were in the away end, I was in the press box, but would you like to tell me your match day experience, please? Um, it was mainly being hit in the bollocks uh, three times in the 94th minute, so I mean, I'm in a lot of pain. You sound very, very monosyllabic. I think we should explain that you have a quite bad cold so you're, this is quite this is very impressive behavior uh, on your behalf I, I can't understand or begin to compute what it is we've just seen um except that those moments are what you kind of live for as a fan you know the f- the 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 first goal goes in from Newcastle and it's like okay well that's quite nice that's quite nice you know that's like nice but it's okay people are drifting away and drifting out and then the second there's a free kick, wasn't there? There was a free kick and the balls floated in. It's like, oh my God, something could actually happen here. And those scenes right at the very end, it's just, it was just brilliant. It was carnage in the away end. It's that brilliant old stand at Everton with the wooden seats and the wooden stand and all that kind of stuff. And it was deafening. And um, people are piling forward over the seats and leaning backwards and falling over and singing. And they were there singing for a good 10, 15 minutes afterwards as well. It's it's brilliant. I mean, how they got to that point, I will never know. Because I'm sure we'll talk about this because it was utterly moribund. It was appalling. It was, I mean, there was nothing there. There was nothing there from Newcastle. And yet they've got that spirit to keep, to keep going. I mean, it does fit. I'm sure this happens to other teams, but it just kind of somehow feels newcastle It feels very newcastle about this team that they will just plug away. And... This has been a season of Newcastle kind of getting away with it, but also scrapping and fighting and getting things out, getting positive results out of games. You you look back on it and you can't you can't get your head around how or why it's happened, but it has. And if it happens once, okay, that's a fluke. If it happens twice, it could be a fluke. If it's three times, fine. But it's happening time and time again. So there is something in this team which is very valuable and very important. They're not pretty to watch, but they they they're a team that you can love because they they'll fight, they'll fight to the end. I mean, it's funny because I texted you at half time when Newcastle were struggling one nil down and uh, really had done very little in the game. And I said, well, at least you're getting the actual match day away experience. Cause for, this is the piece that you're writing uh, for the Athletic for this game. And then by the end, I suppose that you had something quite different. You had that 90 minutes where, let's be, off, be honest, it was absolutely god-awful. And then you had that experience where you said you were in the away and the fans were singing after about five minutes after the final whistle, you could just hear, who's that team you call United? And that is, I suppose, for for Newcastle United fans on the road, very rarely do they, do they see victories or draws in, in those dramatic sort of circumstances. But but when they do, they're, they're, there's that special feeling that there was tonight. 
Yeah, and you know it is that you know we've 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 talked a lot at the Athletic this season about the fans who've drifted away from the club, um, and of course about the free season ticket tickets which have been given away. But this is still a team that is known for the fans turning up and the fans travelling, and there were what eighteen hundred fans there tonight, singing all the way through. The first Everton goal goes in, they sing. The second Everton goal goes in, they sing. They're singing all the way through. And to be honest, it kind of quietened down a bit towards the end because, I mean, why wouldn't it? Um, but, oh, it was just, it was fabulous to be there. Yeah, I wanted to write that. I'm not, I wasn't there for any particular reason. It looks like an act of genius to be there when that happens tonight. But that's com- that is complete fluke. Um, but just one of those very, very special, very, very special moments. I will be writing about this, but there was a lad right in front of me who came into the ground absolutely pissed out of his head and swayed right in front of me and kind of fell backwards a couple of times into me and fell forward a couple of times. And his match experience was mainly just using the F word. And that was fine. It wasn't sort of offensively F wordy. It was just sort of drunken F wordy. And when the board went up for four minutes, he just went, oh, F off and waved his hand and walked out. He probably won't have remembered any of it anyway, so that's fair enough. But I do feel a bit bad for him because he missed he missed that fantastic end. And it it's just about perseverance, isn't it? I mean, that is what this team has got. They've got perseverance. They're not brilliant. They're not brilliant footballers. I mean, you know, they have to be good to be in the Premier League. But you know, it's it's not a brilliantly creative group of players. But they're a brilliant team. I think you can say that they're a brilliant team. And they're more than the sum of their parts. And yeah, no, it was just, I mean, it's, it is ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous that they got a point out of that. Just to clarify, in case anyone was wondering, that fan was not Taylor. It was, he was not actually at the ground today. He wasn't the one who was pissed out of his mind. But that you will hear from Taylor towards the end of this podcast. Sorry, I forgot to mention that earlier on. But you will hear uh, the rants of a madman, I'm sure, after, uh, a fan ecstatic after that I just want to touch again on on Florian Lejeune I just spoke to him in the mix zone at Goodison Park the first time I really interviewed him in English his English now is excellent by the way he hasn't been very confident but really really is is good he was very humble he just kept on repeating I'm so happy for the team I'm so happy for the team but he's someone who has had a lot of struggles too cruciate uh, knee ligament injuries. I suppose f- for for him to have got those two goals, for him to have even got one of them, but to, to have got those two goals, the way that the team celebrated with him, it felt like an important moment for him as well as the team for him to have come through everything that's been going on. And hopefully that this can this can be a, something that can can help him drive forward because you would or I would argue he's probably Newcastle's best defender, but he hasn't been in the team the last couple of weeks because of the struggles he's been going through. There was that very peculiar thing that was in the program. At the, at the weekend, the match programme, when he was asked all these random questions. And one of the questions was, was the effect of, if you had to dispose of a dead body, how would you do it? And he gave this quite sort of um, disturbingly detailed answer about that, which is, it's had some kind of nice play on Twitter about that. Well, he's murdered Everton. I mean, so what's he going to do with Everton's body? That's what I would like to know. Um, it's, a, it's, I mean, it's a fabulous moment. Yeah, he is, you're right, he is Newcastle's, I would say, most gifted centre-half. He's looked quality from day one. We just haven't seen enough of him because of those injuries. And he came back into the team, as you said, didn't look fit, Didn't certainly didn't look much fit, and 
stayed in the team too long. And Steve Bruce felt he had no choice but to do that because of the injuries that were sort of uh, crippling the team, um, particularly in that position. I mean, one of the ironies about tonight is that suddenly Newcastle were playing with every single centre-half in the entire world um, on the pitch at the end. I mean, God knows what was going on. I mean, it was brilliant being in the away end. It was also that sort of strange thing where I was taken out of my comfort zone that I've known for such a long time, being in the press box where you can see everything happening. You, you often have, t- you usually have t- TV replays, certainly in the Premier League you do. And things kind of feel comfortable. And it's like, I had no idea what was going on. I had, and there's Lance in front. Who, he's, he's bringing, he's, where's Sharp? Sharp's come on in centre half. I mean, it's a game that started with Newcastle playing with wing-backs who aren't wing-backs, and then you've got every single centre-half on, and it's like, this is ridiculous. And, you know, there were a few people kind of shouting, Bruce, man, what the is going on? And um, But then they get, you know, they get a result from it. No, anyway, I've, di- I've digressed. Um, no, it's a great moment for him, and, you know, he needs, a run of, he needs a run of games in the team, but his confidence, I mean, why wouldn't it be absolutely lifted to high heaven after that? I mean, you mentioned the fact that they had so many centre-halves on the pitch. If I'm not mistaken, I think it is now one goal that Newcastle United centre-forward has scored four for forwards, if you include the wide forwards as well. Nine from centre-halves as of after tonight with, with, with Florian Lejeune getting a brace. So, really, maybe Newcastle should just, just play with a team full of, of centre-backs because their forwards aren't scoring the goals. Well, if you've got nine centre-halves on the pitch, I mean, eventually they want, they're going to score, aren't they? I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it's... We've said this before. It's not a it's not a startling observation. That's where Newcastle have strength and depth. They've needed those players this season, particularly over Christmas when they kind of drop like flies, and now they've kind of come back and uh, that you know they're more or less all fit again. And you know it's good. It's good that they're there and available for Newcastle. I mean, I don't want to particularly sort of talk about the sort of negative stuff t- um, after that because it was a brilliant. You know, it was just a brilliant end to the game. But Jalinton had another p- poor performance tonight. He was certainly uh, picked out by by the fans, and it's not surprising. He gave the ball away a lot. He couldn't hold the ball up. I thought he was a lot better against Chelsea um, when he won a lot of balls in the air and hit the crossbar and stuff like that. To, this was another disappointing and concerning performance. And you know, this is a team. This is a team which is so imperfect it's unbelievable um you know and just when you think you know just when Steve Bruce must think he solved one problem there's another one somewhere else and it is a big problem but here we are saying that when with Newcastle on 30 points and you know within touching distance of safety so it is a problem but it's not a problem that's going to see them get relegated I mean famous last words but I mean surely it's not I mean um so it is a concern, but is it a concern now that you think is going to come back to haunt them? Well, in the short term, probably not, because you know they're not far off now from being okay, and it's only January. I mean, I do want to, to, to stress that positive of Newcastle are on 30 points, and Bruce and all of the players and all the backroom staff deserve a heck of a lot of credit for that. Uh, Steve Harper, at the end of the game, walked past, tapped me on the shoulder, and said that this team has a heck of a lot of resilience, and he's right, because you, you could see that tonight. But let us just drift into the world, of the ulterior world that, that, could, have, that could have been uh, uh, if you'd removed the 94th and 95th minute this evening and talk about briefly the first 94 minutes uh, of, of, of tonight because 
I mean, it was woeful. It, I, I would argue that it was possibly Newcastle's worst performance of the season. And there's been some pretty bad ones, even in games that they've won. I thought partly that was due to the, to the, the injuries or the, the fact that he didn't feel Sam Maximan could play because uh, he isn't he he was still feeling the after effects of Chelsea. Shelby was on the bench, and Bruce said afterwards that uh, in the warm up he could tell he just wasn't ready. And Newcastle really did seem to lack any sort of purpose going forward in the first half. They only had two shots, which was towards the end of the, of the first half. In the second half, I think their first shot on target was in the 70-odd minute, and that, that was a deflected shot from distance. So it really did feel disjointed, and, and they looked all over the place for 90 minutes, essentially. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing There was nothing there. And when I say that, I don't mean that. I don't say that lightly. There was just nothing. You were watching the stuff happening on the pitch, and they were short in every department. It wasn't like... Okay, if he can make one little change there, that might bring Jalinton more into the game, or you know, what, you know, whatever. There was nothing. There was no, you. I wasn't looking at anything, thinking that there was something to build on on there. It was they, they, they lacked everything apart from the fact that Everton didn't get out of sight. They had to rely on Dubravka again, who made some absolutely fantastic saves. You know, does give that confidence um, at the back, but you know. It looked pretty easy for Everton when they scored both those goals. Um, there was no sign of mounting pressure. It wasn't as if you ever thought that there was going to be a response like that. And um, the changes happened, didn't noticeably affect the team from where I was. Um, and I mean, these things can obviously, these things can kind of obviously happen that a bit of momentum can kind of come into the side and then they can kind of bounce off it. I didn't think that, that was going to happen after they scored the first goal. Newcastle scored the first goal. It just didn't seem to be on the cards. It was like, as I said, that's a nice moment, but we're all getting ready to go and that's that. But if you hang in, then the rewards come and it can't be luck. It cannot be luck if it's week after week after week or every week. After, you know, it's not every week because they're not good enough to do this every week, but they are They are strong enough and honest enough to to sort of just hang in and you know there were there were there were really poor performances all over the pitch I thought um you know there wasn't a lot happening in center midfield it did look just disjointed as you said the defending was bad Dubravka was good Almiron I thought was the one really bright light again um started off well and for the first half certainly was an outlet and he allowed Newcastle to kind of break but then those breaks would all would you know they would they they faltered because there was nothing in front of him most of the time so you were really you're talking about really small kind of crumbs of comfort from that match um I mean you know if it had finished 2-0 there would have been no complaints at all because Everton were worth a 2-0 win and probably more than that but as I said, you know, they, they they carry on. They carry on. I mean, it was summed up for me in two moments in the second half. One of them, which I, th- I think a lot of other people picked up on, was was uh, you mentioned Joe Linton's performance earlier. There was one moment where Matt Ritchie was waiting to clear the ball down the left wing, wanted Joe Linton to be in position, ended up kicking it out because he had to wait so long and just screamed, Joe, run, man, Joe, which, which showed his frustration and the frustration that he, 
you could see was was building in the team. But also there was another moment when Fabian Cher came on where Isaac Hayden seemed to go across to, to Cher and basically ask him what formation he was playing. I think I just about worked out the formation by the end of the game that, that was changed to. I think it was three centre-backs, Cher sitting in front of them, wing-backs, and then there was... Uh, Sean Longstaff, Matty Longstaff and Hayden just behind Almiron which does not sound like a, a Premier League forward line but as we said th- they got the result and as, as you said it can't just be that, that Newcastle are lucky every time we had the Chelsea game at the weekend we'll discuss that now for 90 minutes Chelsea dominated the game I wouldn't say that too many clear cut chances although Debravka made a couple of good saves but again Newcastle just hung in there and after the match, you spoke to Isaac Hayden about that. And we'll just listen to a little bit of audio from him now. From the championship season to now, you know, there's been the same core group of players that have been here with the same values that everyone knows Newcastle has. Uh, and I think when you have that core value, especially from the championship coming all the way up, um, you've seen what it does for other teams. You know, Sheffield United now, people are talking about that. You know, the players, some players, they've been there a long time. Um, the Brightons almost as well. They've got players that have been there from the Championship. So when you've got a group of lads that have been here for three, four, five years, um, they can set a precedent for the other lads coming in and then they build on it from there. And, you know, we've got a, got a good set of lads there that want to work hard, that want to improve. And, you know, when that happens and you work hard, you get rewards for it. If you were trying to sell this team to a neutral, I mean, you wouldn't be saying, please come and watch us because we're... Going to score five, six goals. Every no, game. no, of course. But would no. would that be the thing that you would say that if you come and watch us, you know, you know what you're going to get. You'll yeah. get honesty. You'll get commitment. You'll get those things. Is yeah, you'll 100. percent You'll put a shift in for the for the team, and everyone will do their jobs. Um, you know, no one's going to shy away from from doing their jobs, working hard, running, doing the hard graft, doing the dirty work, if you want to call it. Obviously, we're not the most pretty team, um, but if we're being honest, you know, apart from the top six, seven, eight, maybe. None of the other teams you can say are overly pretty, um, especially when they're playing top six sides. So, George, we go back to that game, and, and that that felt a very important moment. Newcastle now have have triumphed against Manchester United, St James's Park. They've beaten Chelsea. They've drawn against Man City. They are getting these results. A lot of them late results, late goal against Man City as well, late goals at Everton, late goal against Chelsea. That they do persevere and stick at it, even if you think for large periods there doesn't seem to be that much there. In the end, that they're grinding these results out. Yeah, and I said, I said afterwards, you know, they're not a they're not a kind of fun team to watch, but they are they are easy to love because because of that those those characteristics that you have that you that they have that you've just mentioned there, and um, it's not the pretty stuff and it's not the creative stuff. I mean, my. I'm, you know, I still think of Newcastle as a team who have a go at home. I mean, I'll always, I'll go to my grave thinking of Newcastle of that because my, you know, my formative years, the most important years of my kind of supporting life and then professional life of watching Keegan's team and then Sir Bobby's team. And, you know, that, that, that's what I think of when I think of Newcastle, certainly in theory. The practice now is very, very different and it's been like this for a long time. The thing that Isaac talked about there is that sort of streak of character that has been in the team since the championship season and it's still there that core is still there and it's not just decent players which they are it's also honest players and there is that sort of no dickhead sort of philosophy again which we've talked about before and it infuses everything and so it's very difficult to to get annoyed with them it's not it's not difficult to get annoyed with the club it's difficult to get annoyed with the team because you know that they're giving everything 
and you know you know that they'll put, sort of put a shift in and it is reverting to cliche this kind of stuff but it's true and I'll watch that all day I'll watch that all day because too many times in the past whether it's back in you know back in you know very different eras there've been people there who don't want to be there and not too long ago even um and it's the opposite now so they want to be here and they show that week in week out and I really I really like that now, and I don't want to start this as a, as a negative because Newcastle United have made their first signing of the January window, but it's just interesting when we're talking there about the personalities within the squad. And it was interesting that Bruce, after the game against Chelsea, said that it could take five or six windows for him to really develop and change the style. Now, one the player who Newcastle have signed on loan initially from Schalke with a view to buy is Nabil, ben, Nabil Bentaleb. He's a midfielder. Bruce has wanted a midfielder. He wants something different in there. But... The, the obvious thing that when he first comes in is that he hasn't played since April. He's been suspended four times by Schalke. There were some issues. With, I've spoken to Jack Pitbrook, who covers uh, Spurs for us. There were some issues uh, disciplinary-wise. He fell out with Mauricio Pochettino when he was at Spurs. He was seen as like the next big thing, and they really rated him. But he is coming in now to Newcastle. It's a it's a low-risk deal in the sense that it's it's a it's a loan with a view to buy almost a six-month trial for him to, to come in and try and change. But I suppose that that, that, that is something that, that Bruce now has to manage. He has to make sure that, that they don't lose that spirit while trying to build and develop and evolve this side to, to a new way with people like Bentaleb and maybe some other higher-quality players coming in. Yeah, and it does change You know, the dynamics of a team and a squad always evolve and always change over time. That's sort of natural. Um you say it's low risk, and of course, and I think in the short term it is, and it is a short term deal to to start with. And you wrote a you wrote a very good piece about this, about a his quality, but also, you know, the issues that have been about around about his temperament. You wouldn't want the kind of ethos of the squad to change, but Newcastle have been in this position before. I remember Alan Pardew talking at length when he was manager, saying that the, one of the issues Newcastle had was that they signed rascals. And what he meant by that was people like Ben Arthur, self-explanatory, but also people like Kabai and Sissoko, who proved that they were either willing to go on strike to effectively get their move to Newcastle or to get out of Newcastle. And does that have a cumulative effect on team spirit after a while? Well, it might very well do, because when Newcastle went down last time, they had, you would certainly argue that they had a a better team in terms of quality but they had a much much worse team in terms of that spirit and togetherness so short term the good news is that Newcastle are not too far away from safety so this isn't a kind of make or break signing anymore I think maybe a week or, a week or so ago we might have thought about it slightly differently after the difficult period over Christmas and he should be coming into a happy camp and a confident camp and it's a chance for him to showcase showcase what he's got yeah I would hate there to be um, you know any kind of fundamental change to sort of the quality that have got them to where they are now equally if Newcastle are to progress as a football club and this is a now a much bigger question then they need to find a different way of playing they need to find more expansive personality they need to find more creativity from somewhere and so that process has to start if you're going to do that, how picky can you be in terms of personality and character? Well, that's difficult if you've got limited finances. So there are all those dynamics going on. Um, 
I'll be very interested to see him play. I presume he can't come straight into the team if he hasn't played for as long as he as he hasn't done it. It'll take him a while to get up to match sharpness. But you know, let's he's he's certainly a good footballer. You would like him to be the right character as well. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't mean that to sound overly negative. I think it's it's important that Newcastle have finally made a breakthrough in in the transfer window. He has joined. He is technically a very good player. He gives them something different in midfield. They have a lot of, of battlers in there. They've got the likes of, of Longstaff. They've got uh, Matty Longstaff. They've got Sean Longstaff and, and John and John Joe Shelby who can play a bit more. Isaac Hayden, who's, who's all action. But uh, Nabil Bentley will be a bit more subtle and, g- and give them something slightly different. So I think that there is, there is a positive there. It's just whether Steve Bruce can get the best out of him. Now, Clearly, Newcastle need to strengthen elsewhere as well. And I think that was obvious tonight, even though they are on the 30-point mark and you're thinking they are close to survival. The fact that they ended the game without a centre-forward, the fact that Joe Linton was better against Chelsea, but there have been issues there. Clearly, they do need strengthening up there. Valentino Rosaro is someone they would like to sign from Inter Milan. His agent was there at the Chelsea game, but he's also been RB Leipzig. Look, he was in Bologna today, so whether that deal happens or not, Newcastle need to bring in bodies, if nothing else, for those forward positions because they are so low there at the moment. Yes, they do. Um, I mean, I think they are sort of... I mean, it's interesting how, you know, when the win- the window opens, you know, Newcastle in a really difficult position in terms of all those injuries. Does it, and, you know, we've asked Steve Bruce and he's been asked by, by others about, does it, do his priorities change? Because of those injuries, he did say at the weekend that the, obviously the left backs situation is is now quite difficult with Williams out for the season and Paul Dummett um, injured as well. So there does just need to be, you know, there needs to be a body in there somewhere, um, and that needs to sort of be addressed. What does does it change up front in the sense that? They have to find a way to make Gillington work. They can't write him off. It's 40 million quid. It's not working. The team isn't set up in a way... Well, the team is either not set up in a way that plays to his ability or it needs to... You know, other people need to come in. I mean, so to me, when I watch him, I don't see a centre-forward. So, and I, you know, I haven't from the start and I still don't. So how do they change that? What do they do? But do they have a bit more breathing space now that they've got 30 points to think a bit more strategically about that? You know, from this position, I mean, I know they're only 13th, but there is a gap. And can they think more strategically about that now? And if the right player isn't there, can they do something else? I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm conflicted because... And I'm being contradictory because I know a month ago I'd have said, for me, a striker was absolutely number one because they're not scoring goals and they are not they can't stay up. I mean, they were getting good results, but in that sense that it didn't feel sustainable, it still doesn't feel sustainable. Tonight was the absolute epitome of that. It was, an uns- you know, but, but they've done it week after week after week, so they're doing it. Does it change it? Can they think more strategically about that? I don't know. I'm asking a question because I don't know the answer to that. Well, I think even if it isn't a striker, personally, I think they need to get some sort of a forward in because Bruce even suggested last week he could play Sam Maximan through the middle. He did play Sam Maximan through the middle for the, the end of the Chelsea game. Almiron finished the game through the middle of the day. Personally, and I'm not a, I'm not a football manager, but I, I don't see that working in the long term. But even if he is going to do that, they really need another wide option because Christian Atsu, as committed as he is, doesn't seem to create anything. I just now want to touch upon 
Steve Bruce himself. Now, we've already said Newcastle have reached 30 points by this stage. He came in in a very, very difficult situation last summer. As, as he refers to it as, there was a load of rubbish uh, said about him. He, he said a lot of other things. Uh, he, he, he received a lot of criticism from, from some quarters. But tonight was the first time we really were by... That his name was was chanted last week at, at the cup game, but after the match, he didn't quite walk all the way to, across the other side of the pitch to where the away fans were. But he did walk across, acknowledge the away fans with a wave, clap some of his players, and then he gave them another wave and, and a fist pump. I mean, do do you feel that there is a sort of mellowing towards Steve Bruce now? Do you think that that the fans have, even if it isn't full acceptance, that that the fans do acknowledge that, given the position he came into and given where Newcastle are now? even if you take away the fact that a lot of the football has been terrible and feels unsustainable. The fact is, they are winning these late games. They've got 30 points. Do you think that there is an, a, a sort of appreciation of the job that he has done? If a manager gets stick after defeats, he should get praise after victories. I mean, I just think that has to be the way it works. And we all know that the context at Newcastle is very complicated. It doesn't just go back over the six months or whatever it's been since Steve arrived. It goes back for 12 or 13 years. You know, there was still anti-Ashley chants, by the way, in the away end tonight. Not not a lot, but they were still there. The context is, is difficult to sort of... Um, explain to people outside of the football club. Um, and that's what he's walked into. He's walked into a, a, a historical dispute. and But you have to give him credit. You have to give him credit for where they are. He's a, I mean, people don't want to hear this kind of stuff and they don't necessarily like hearing this kind of stuff. He's a, he's a really decent fella. And he's he's a decent manager who's, who's managed well over a thousand games, whatever it is. And... He's got Newcastle into a position that I certainly didn't expect him to be in at the start of the season, and I'm sure most people didn't. Um, so he deserves his respite. I think that was the word I used after Newcastle won at Sheffield United, and again, no idea how they won that game, but they did, and he got a nice little wave from the away end, and he waved back, and that, to me, felt like a sort of significant moment. And, you know, that's that's still there. I mean, I don't think the mood music around the club changes fundamentally until there's a new owner, you know, until there's a new ownership. I mean, I think that's that will remain the case for a long, long time. Um, so, but yes, he, he, he deserves credit. He deserves, he's stuck at it. And he's found, he and his players have found a way to grind out results. It's not pretty. You can't explain it sometimes. But yeah, too right, he deserves it. And I promised you that we would end this podcast with the ramblings of Taylor. So, uh, you can listen to his views on tonight just now. I can't, I can't quite get my head around what I've just watched. For all intents and purposes, one of the most shockingly awful displays that we've put in this season. 2-0 down and probably deservedly so. Um, and then out of nowhere, we, we end up scoring two goals, right at the de- literally right at the death in the 91st and the 93rd minute. I mean, I can't, I can't fathom. I can't, I can't fathom how that's just happened. You could have got some unreal odds on a draw in the last minute or so of that game. I mean, we were so impotent. We were so poor. And to come away with a point, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's absolute nonsense. And this club is is just the most 
utterly baffling football club in this league after the after the last minute of injury time winner uh, on on Saturday against Chelsea and and you know that I, I just didn't think I didn't think we'd see anything like that again for a little while. I thought we rode our luck a little bit, and then tonight we were getting found out. That is, you have to say, that is a ridiculously good point. When you think of the circumstances, when you think of what the the, the level of performance, when you think of the the players that we had available, the the positions they were playing on the pitch. I mean, Isaac Hayden had three different positions in that game. Bless the lad. It's like a Swiss Army knife. It's ridiculous. He's all over the place. But yeah, absolutely ridiculous. A nonsense of a game. A, a terrible performance and a ridiculous result which I'm over the moon with it's another point and god I can't believe I'm saying that after the after the, the game I've just watched I cannot believe that we've got a point out of that game absolutely ridiculous what a nonsense football club we are <laughs>